uh, during this time. But uh, they're doing well, and it's crazy. I walked in this morning, and it's been years. I know I've been here before, but um, years ago. But uh, uh, walking in, and I said, Jen, I'm, a, I'm walking in as a grandpa. Like, what's going on? What happened? Jerry, what happened? I don't know. You look good. Time. Yeah, so uh, let's lament. And then, uh, and then we move on, right? Uh, let's look at the text this morning, and uh, we'll look to God's Word and uh, drink from the fountain, right? And be fed from, uh, from the Lord. So, all right. Colossians chapter 4 is uh, what um, I felt maybe would be appropriate for this morning. Can you hear me okay back there? You're all good. Okay, thank you. And those of you watching from home or watching from an overflow room, uh, we're so glad that uh, we could be together as the body of Christ, right? No matter where you are, we are here together right now. So we're reading Colossians. Open your Bibles up even if you're home and uh, look at the Scriptures with me. Colossians chapter 4, the text this morning is verses 2 through 6. All right, so don't get nervous because there was a French guy that put Bible verses to the New Testament Put numbers rather to, to so, but so I'm starting at two, even though I think two really is a new thought from the text from three to, uh, to the end. But at any rate, here's, here's kind of a the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit is giving us, the church, this, this uh, beautiful, beautiful charge in the middle of this, um, uh, this practical teaching to families and, and employees, employers, uh, moms and dads, husbands and wives, and now. Here it says this, verse 2, the word of the Lord. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for all of us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 5, conduct yourselves now with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Amen. How many have heard that text before? Okay, quite a few of you. Some of you, maybe this is a new text, a new passage, or it sounds familiar. So whether you've heard it or studied it before, some of you here have taught it, I know, because you probably taught me years and years ago. But we're going to look at it with fresh eyes because we believe in the doctrine of illumination. We believe that the Holy Spirit teaches us the Word every time we read it. Have you ever read something before that you do for devotionals? You're like, I've got my Bible underlined, but it's like all brand new again. Thank the Holy Spirit for that because that's God revealing His truth to you and to me, right? The Word of God is what? It's uh, living and active like a double-edged sword. So we just read the sword. It just cut our hearts. And I pray that we were receptive to it. So let's, let's look. Hey, I looked on your website to find out what is Calvary all about nowadays. And I saw your vision statement. And what it says there is, we aspire, this is you, we aspire to build a loving, multi-generational community of people who are like Christ in worship, edification, and mission. Now, that's beautiful. Uh, it's very clear. I think it's concise. I think it gives you good vision. And at the same time, some of you here probably wrote that. At the same time, um, it's, it's very similar to the, to the mission and vision of the early church as well. 
and it really should be. If your mission and vision is far from, you know, kind of a whole new concept from that of the early church, you might be missing the gospel. You might be missing what the New, church or the new Testament church was all about. So I'm really, really happy to hear and see that you guys are still about building, multi-generational. That's beautiful. That's Acts uh, 242, is it not? And uh, to be like Christ in worship, edification, and mission. Now, the question is for you and I this morning is, what does that look like during this COVID lockdown, right? Uh, what, what are the challenges? You know, I'm, I'm up at Sparta for 20 years, and, uh, and we're coming to this season too, kind of. This is a whole new thing for so many people. And so we're thinking, how do you do church? How do you be the church is a better question, right? When we're dealing with uh, government restrictions and fear, right, and all that. And you have people in your church family and some that are on one side of the, of the spectrum of saying these masks, we don't need any masks. This is, this is, this is just a restrictive and, and, and government's in, in infiltrating on the church and the freedom of religion. And then you have people on the other side that are fearful. I don't want to get sick. And so we walk around with a mask on and we ask other people to do the same respectfully. And, and, then, and then a lot of us in between in the middle. Does some, any of you fit in one of those categories? You have to, because I said everybody else in the middle. So there's 20 of you here that are lying. We're all on this spectrum. We're all in there. And so how does that affect the way we do church? Most of us canceled just about everything, did we not? And we went virtual online. All of a sudden, the pastor's preaching to an empty room. The first time that I had to do that in our auditorium, I wept. And I said, what is going on? I didn't do it online. But afterward, I wept. It was so empty going home. I said, the vibrancy of the body of Christ meeting together, children running around, friendships that, are, that, that just need to catch up from the week. You know what I'm talking about. And so it kind of brought a challenge of what does church look like during this season? And I would say, when you go to the scriptures, and that's why I think today's text may be appropriate for us, in addition to the things you've studied in recent weeks, but it's a beautiful passage because the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, doesn't say during a pandemic, you really need to kind of chill out. You really need to stop doing what you're doing. In fact, you can't do what you're supposed to do. There's nothing here. In fact, if anything, he says, I'm in prison. And I find a new opportunity every day. So pray for me. Wow, this guy's got some guts. And so the challenge for us in the onset here is today is an opportunity like, an opportunity like no other to be the body of Christ and to live out the gospel. In fact, if anything, more now than ever before. So look at verses 2 through 4 with me, and we'll take two sections, two main points, and that's this. Number one, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Pray with your eyes open, church family. Pray with your eyes open. People have been asking me, and maybe some of you as well. And by the way, I've had a chance to get to know and enjoy Sean over the last several years. We've been in a ministerial group together. And uh, when I get a word in edgewise, I like to tell him if he's right or wrong. But usually he's right, and we love him. Jen and I have gotten to spend some time with them um, over these very fast few years, and now we pray for those visas to go through so they can get back to Zimbabwe. But, um, but people have asked me uh, often, how can I help? Can I do anything to help during this time? 
right? And so what we need to do, we had to do back in March and April and May, we had to start praying with our eyes open. We had to start putting the emphasis on a different syllable. We had to start learning how to do the gospel, to be the gospel, to be the church a little bit differently, not shut down and change or just stop, right? So there's the challenge. What does the Lord want us to do now? You see, so we need to pray. A.W. Tozer, because you always got to quote Tozer, a life lived in Christ becomes, in the true sense, is a life of unceasing prayers. Tozer understood the discipline of prayer. We need to pray. I asked God why for several, several days, and then I stopped saying why, and I had to grow up and put my bootstraps on and say what, and God's people were looking saying, what do we do? So, Lord, we need to move on in this time and say, what do you want us to do? What does it mean to live out the church and the mission of the church together? And Paul says that devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude. Now, here he tells us how, okay? So, before we do the what, verses uh, 3, and we're going to look at the how, verse 2. Do you see that there? So, if you're looking at your outline, we can address maybe these three hows in verse 2. Number one keeping alert with an attitude of thanksgiving, right, and being devoted. Those are the three things. So, number one, be mindful, be devoted in the text. The word is found in the present tense. It means to be diligent or be persistent. So, it doesn't mean that you prayed hard when COVID kicked in and then you kind of drifted off. It means pray continually, constantly be praying that God would open a door for us to live out the love of Jesus to those around us. Number two, to be watchful, right? The English we would say to be alert, to stay alert. Don't you love, it brings you to 1 Peter 5, 8, does it not? Be sober in spirit, be alert, right? Be awake. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's the mission of Satan. He's doing a pretty good job, is he not? Devouring, stealing, robbing, killing, destroying the what he's trying to, of, of the truth of who Christ is, the love that Jesus offers this world by filling us with other things and distracting us because of other things, and fear creeps in, and self-gratification creeps in, and blah, 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 blah. So we need to pray to be watchful, to be alert. And number three, how we are to pray is to be thankful, right? To be thankful, to pray with thanksgiving. This one always this one always just gives me such a kick because, you know, Jen and I are different. And one thing that Jen's, God's used Jen in my life for is to understand how to pray thankfully. Because I tend to wah, 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 you know. Lord, how come? Why does? And, and Philippians 4, Jen just has taught our children well over the years to be thankful in all circumstances, right? To be thankful, to remember. Because Thanksgiving, does it not, does it not address the sovereignty of God? Otherwise, God's out of control, and I'm in trouble. So, the Scriptures remind us back right this morning, some of you are out of control, a little bit in trouble at work, aren't you, financially? Some of you are out of control physically. Some of you are a little bit concerned in relationships right now, aren't you? Of course you are. And so, the Scriptures are reminding you and I, the double-edged sword is waking us up and saying, be thankful, because God is still on His throne at this very moment. And he still knows your name, and he knows your address. 
He hasn't forgotten you. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. You have a nice tie on. This old thing? Oh, by the way, since I've seen you last, I've been through testicular surgery. I've been through two back surgeries and colon surgery. Last year, recovered, I've been bitten by a brown recluse spider, almost lost my life, and I was stung by a scorpion. I know, I just felt like I wanted to tell you that. <laughs> it's been a busy few years. So you've been through some things. Some of you are going through some things. So Lord, I'm going to thank you. Doesn't mean I love what I'm going through. But I'm going to thank you because you are sovereign at this very moment and you know my name and you know my address. And you know the beginning from the end. What are people's greatest concerns today? Many, sickness of getting COVID-19. For some, economic crisis, financial loss, some physical danger, the riots going on in cities around the United States. Some of us, are, our fear is, our concern is political disaster. The elections are coming up and just days away now. And we watch and it doesn't matter where you land on it because King Jesus is still going to reign. November 2nd, November 3rd, November 4th, King Jesus is still on his throne and all kings and princes and presidents bow to him, whether they know it or not. Do you believe that? So how's that going to affect the way we read Colossians chapter 4, verses 2? Be thankful. This is a time for the church to ignite in prayer, to pray for gospel advancement more than ever before. I got to tell you, sometimes I shake in my boots as a pastor because people look at you like you're supposed to have the answers. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I get scared sometimes. I get concerned. Do you? <laughs> so we pray. I can imagine the Apostle Paul probably shook in his boots a little bit sometimes. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell Sean I said that. You know why I can say that confidently? Because I believe, I believe he was an honest human being. I think he was a human being. I think he struggled with, Romans 7 says he struggled with things, did he not? And you know, you think of Daniel in the lion's den, as heroic that God was in Daniel's life, don't you think there was dirt under his fingernails? And then he saw the sovereignty of God protect him in that lion's den. And he trusted. I'm not going to rob that. We saw, God, um, we saw God work and we saw Daniel trust the Lord. So we need to pray. pray prayer brings us back to the Lord. Last year, I was reading about the ranch, one of the ranch fires in California that burned out of control and touched more than 410,000 acres. Investigators later found out about that particular fire that it was started by a spark of a random hot fragment from a property owner hammering a metal stake into the ground that shot off and hit the dry grass. One little spark randomly starts a fire that destroys over almost a half a million acres. Take it, switch it around. Think of the positive. One little prayer. And you pray with your sister on the phone. You pray with your brother in the Lord. You gather in your study. I don't care if you're six feet apart or next to you. You gather in your study together and you pray. And I pray, Lord, what 
does living out the gospel look like at Calvary Church during a pandemic? What does it look like? How can we do things maybe a little bit differently? It's all about, look at us here together. Look at you in overflow. Look at some of you home. It's, it's all about being flexible right now and being wise. Well, there's the how. Verse uh, 3 goes on and tells us the what. Praying at the same time for all of us that God would open up the door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Again, he's in prison, that he would make it clear. Now, why would the Apostle Paul, because he's an apostle, ask for clarity to speak the gospel? Because, again, human guy, he's asking for it just like you and I need to pray and ask for these things, right? And he's saying, pray for the door to open, that this mystery of Christ. So if some of you slept or you tuned out already, I want you to wake up right now because this is, this is really good stuff. And it's free, by the way, right? This is really, really good. You talk about the mystery of Christ, and we think, what is this mystery that's supposed to be unveiled and, and, and revealed to us? What is this mystery all about? If you look at Colossians, holistically, you do a good study of the text. You'll find in chapter 1, this is, he brings it up there, and he brings it up actually in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 as well. But in 125, you can turn a page or two back if you'd like to look at it, and I'll read it. Colossians 125, it says the word of God of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit that so that I might carefully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints, you and me, to whom God willed to make known what the riches of his glory and the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you." <laughs> the hope of glory. So back in chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 3, when he says that we would speak forth the mystery of Christ, he's speaking of the mystery of those who don't know Jesus yet. Because like with veiled faces, they, they haven't opened up their hearts to the gospel. They haven't responded to the wooing of the Spirit of God through the will of the Father. And they're still walking in darkness and fear. You got some people that you work with that are living in tremendous gripping fear. I've seen it. Have you? And now is the time for you and I to say, Lord, I pray that you would open a door for me to speak even more boldly, that, that, that this mystery to them would be Christ in me lived out. And, and you know what? You, you speak it with your words and you speak it with your actions too, don't you? You speak it with your actions too. Tanta Goodren, I, I was with Arlene and, and, uh, and Marilyn last week in the families. And uh, on that rainy Friday, and we laid her earthly body uh, in the ground. And I think, you know, I, there was a time there I actually thought, I thought Tanta Goodwin would be here today, quite frankly, a few months ago. I thought she'd be here. And because uh, I'm her only sweetie. You do know that. <laughs> and um, I mean, she had thousands of sweeties, uh, sweethearts. Um, and uh, I, thought, I thought a ton of good one over her life over the years that I knew her. And By the way, I thought I was going to be in heaven before she was. But, uh, and I thought, you know, I don't remember Tanta Goodwin being on a church committee. And maybe she was. I just don't remember her being on a church committee. And, and I believe in church committees. I'm a pastor. That's, we love those. Right? We love committees. 
So, and you have to have order and fun, da, 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 you get all that. But I think back of reflecting off of what the Lord did with Tanta Goody's life and the impact she had on so many people, her neighbors, people in town, her family, her grandchildren. Of course, she loved them all, but, but I, I think of Norway House down in Ocean Grove back in the 1900s when we used to visit her and, and spend time as, as a family there. And she knew she was the mayor. I don't care what they thought in Ocean Grove. She was the mayor. She knew everybody and everything about everybody in a good way. But I think, you know what? It really reflects a little bit about Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It's what's being said here, that we would take what the mystery of Christ is and make it known, not only a word, but also in deed. Therefore, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds, not your crankiness, not your short-sightedness, not your, not your, your overcoming fear. No, follower of Christ, teach me, I'll teach you. Let our light shine in such a way that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so verse 5, continue on, it says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. This is the way that you act. So the scriptures are saying that before you go, well, you got to speak the gospel. Actions, that's the social gospel. Well, it is in the scripture. We have to live it. We have to, we have to be able to reflect that which we speak, right? I mean, Jesus does say that. So, so you find this walking around, conducting yourself, going about with wisdom, right? Uh, not, well, it may seem wasteful or unnecessary to other people. The world may say, you, you Christians, I don't, you're just wasteful in the way that you, you're, it's, you're doing things that are unnecessary, right? But no, we're called to make the most of every opportunity. We're, we're called to conduct ourselves in such a way. Do you remember back history? I'm going to take you a little history lesson here. I used to hate history, and then I fell in love with history. I had a ninth grade history teacher that woke me up to the joy of history. And I thought, wow. During the, high, the height of the ancient Roman period, uh, the early centuries, Rome had gone through several plagues, if you remember that, through the 200s, 300s, 400s AD. And people were dying. At one point, uh, Eusebius tells us that 5,000 people were dying per day. And while everyone else was was fleeing from the cities and villages, the Christians responded with acts of courageous love, and it made the history books. Dionysius, the bishop of Alexandria, said this. This is what he said, quote, we've got this. Most of our brother Christians showed up unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. Many, in nursing and in curing others, transferred their death to themselves and they died in their stead. The pagans behaved in the very opposite way. At the first onset of disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled even from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead. And even one particular emperor of Rome uh, spoke the same testimony saying, what is it about these Christians that are making him go back into the places of great plague and disease and illness and sickness? And I think, you know, this is an opportunity like no other church to pray with our eyes open and see, do you hear the word of God? 
and to conduct ourselves in a manner that shows that we have hope like nobody else has hope today. Our answers are not in politics. Our answers are not in the economy. Our answers are in the faithfulness and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ who's on his throne yesterday, today, and when? Forever. All right? I get a little excited. I'm sorry. Calm down a little bit. It's the southern Norway in me. By the way, my mom and dad say hi. Heading back down to Florida. They're doing well. Thank you. So, uh, you know, God gives us tools. You're different than me. I know you're very thankful for that. He gives you tools. He gives you gifts through the Spirit of God. He gives you resources and abilities, natural abilities. He gives you a different passion maybe than he gives me, all for his glory. And you think about what are the things that God has given to you? Think about that for a second right now. What are the things that God has given you that he wants to use as an opportunity to speak the gospel in conduct and in word? Uniquely. I know some say, I don't want to stand up here behind a plexiglass pulpit. Where did this come from? Where's the other one? Is this Sean? Is this Sean? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Some of you just, you're so gifted at administration. And us pastors, we are so thankful for you. You have no idea. You have no idea when there's a burden that's lifted off our shoulders because you, take, you took care of that problem. And some of you are wonderful with young people. And some of you are wonderful with children. And some of you are wonderful with evangelism. You have such a heart for evangelism. And we love that too. And so we appreciate the different things. That maybe God's given you resources. And maybe the Lord's given you a home and hospitality. I, put the pieces together. What is it, the tools that the Lord has given you? Think about what that is right now. I, I know, I know with, with a boy, one day with Jesus, it was five loaves and a couple fish, Right? what he had because most of us here right now don't think we have enough to offer the lord right that's like the guilt of religion that falls on our shoulders right is that humanistic it's not about that because if you just have a couple of coins let me hear a baptist say amen (laughs) if you have some loaves a couple of fish maybe you have a water jar where Jesus can speak at the well to someone who's very fearful and very alone. Maybe you have a little flour in a jar of oil and you say, I got nothing else. That's all I got left. And it's basically enough to feed my son and that's it. And then we're done. And then God shows up in the middle of a pandemic, by the way, in the middle of a drought, and he says, look what I can do when you pray and you look for the opportunities. What does it look like at Calvary Church? What does it look like in your home and in your community, at your school? What does it look like with your friends at school? According to a recent Cygnus study, over three of every five Americans surveyed recently are struggling with loneliness. Doesn't surprise you, does it? The highest level, we're told, recorded in history. Because of the coronavirus shutdown, the average number of close friends whom we can talk to about important issues has now shrunk on the average from three to two 
with over 25% of respondents reporting that said they had no close friends whatsoever to whom they can discuss personal matters with. Now, many of us have a church family, and we have the eternal kingdom of God that keeps us going. If you don't have that, and you're alone, that's not how God created his children. He created us as image bearers, imago Deo, right? We were created for community. We're created for relationship. And even though they have our sheep that have not brought it in, been brought into the sheepfold yet, right? God loves them. In Calvary, I've heard wonderful things over the recent years, the recent weeks, even. The, the things you're doing, you're you're um, bringing groceries. Some of you younger folks to some of our seniors, you're. You're calling one another more intentionally just to call, say hello, praying for you. I miss you. Some of you, I've heard, are sharing, being very intentional in your relationships with your neighbors. Things are a little more acute, a little more aware, a little more of a, a, a boldness there to speak of the hope of Christ, to reach out with an act of love. I hear you're reengaging in ministry, slowly but steady, looking at bringing programs back in, looking a little bit differently, but, but bringing it back in bringing young people back together, bringing children back together. Folks, this is all about making the most of the opportunity. This is about a church that's going to keep going. Shame on those churches who stay huddled and closed. I say that. I mean that. It's time to make the most of the opportunity because today may be the only day you got. And you stand before Jesus and you say, but we were shut down. Are you kidding me? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that. I have wrestled. I was with my church family this morning. I opened with announcements. I went a little long. And I saw my church family just like you today, all spread out in our auditorium, overflow out in the hallway. And I said, we got to keep being the body of Christ. This is not the time to stop and this is not about civil disobedience. That's not what the Scripture's taken us to. The Bible is saying to us today, this is time to conduct yourselves with wisdom, and you make the most of the opportunity. Do you like the opportunity? Do you like the situation? Maybe not. Let's make the most of it. But how do we do that creatively? Some of you are ministry leaders here. What does that look like for you? What does creative ministry look like for you? Instead of shutting down and closing up, how do you creatively do that? I know that we, we took advantage of technology. Calvary, you did. You're online. You're making the most of the opportunity right now. You're going to keep being the body of Christ. So how do you keep doing that in new and creative ways? Well, let me finish with this. Are you still with me? Four of you. Okay. Hang in there. You know, it's, hi, Balcony. Hi, John. That's great. I used to sit up there. Yeah, I was always afraid of John Aker calling my name out. Yeah, it's good though. Well, verse 6 continues, last point. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you know how to respond to each person. Oh, the speech is so important, right? It accompanies the, the open door that our conduct, I pray, God used to open a door in a relationship to speak. And the word, I love that, your speech always be with grace. 
right? So the Scripture defines us how our speech is to be, not a sticky, plastic, sweet grace, ugh. Not a, not a butter-you-up type of grace. No, but words that are seasoned with salt. How precious is that? Salt was used for main two reasons. You know that. It was a preservative. Keep things from spoiling, which implies that our speech should, be pres- should preserve relationships, not spoil them. We need to preserve relationships. It's very easy for you and I to get into a, a fighting match because we disagree on what we're doing during COVID. And you know what? The outsiders, as Scripture talks about, they're watching you right now. You don't think they're watching you. They're watching you online. They're checking you out. They're watching how you do church. They're watching how you behave together. So let it be with grace, your speech be with grace. And also the second, it was used as a, as a spice. In fact, I think it's the only spice in the Norwegian language. Salt, to give food more, thank you, to give food more flavor, right? To give it more flavor. So that the words of the gospel should stimulate people's taste buds to want more. This is not stirred up by the craftiness of man's words, by a preacher who can give big stories. That's not what it's about. It's about the word of God being applied and that those words come out through your life and how God's been working in your life, your story, so that people will say, by the Holy Spirit, not because of you, I want, I need, I need what you have. And then you're ready to respond to them. Our speech, let no unwholesome word, ooh, this is convicting, but I'm going to read it. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, only such which is a word which is edifying according to the need of the moment, so that it will be give grace to those who hear. Right? Ephesians 4, 29. What allows you, Christian, to speak with grace during a difficult time in your life? The hope of Christ. What some would consider still a mystery, but it's been revealed to you. The veil has been lifted. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb, never to be revoked or removed. How precious is that? I was talking to a brother just a few weeks ago who... uh, in our church family who uh, at work, uh, well, actually it's probably a few months ago now, it was probably March or April, but when COVID shutdown started and, and, and just great unknowns, and he said he had coworkers who he'd worked with for several years. Coworkers who came up to him unsolicited and said, I know you pray. Can I pray with you? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity because God had sowed the seed through this man understanding what it means to conduct and looking for the opportunity. And relationships have begun during this difficult time where now the hope of the gospel is being spoke, the love of Christ. What does that look like for you? At Sparta, our goal is that we bring the gospel, right, and follow this text, but in such a way that we have a greater goal to become, we say this often, just a kind of rhetoric, but so that we can somehow in ourselves become spiritual grandpas and spiritual grandmas. And when somebody becomes a spiritual parent, we celebrate that. When somebody becomes a spiritual grandparent, we celebrate that. In other words, when someone, God uses someone to, like you, to bring the gospel and lead someone else to the sinner's prayer where someone goes from death to life and embraces Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
And that person grows, they become a spiritual parent, the discipler, and that person that was saved comes and grows up in the Lord, and then they, God uses them to bring the gospel, or someone they know comes to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Isn't that precious? Now that person becomes a spiritual parent, but the parent becomes a spiritual grandparent. I'm just going to throw that out there for free. Think about that. What does that look like to become a spiritual grandpa, a spiritual grandma? Because that's what the Lord's doing here. I know he is, and he wants to continue to. I think of a a man named Jorge who knew of a Christian man who went through AA together. And Jorge, through that relationship, agreed to go on a men's retreat about 10 years ago. And Jorge gave his life to Jesus Christ on that men's retreat up in the Poconos. And since then, Jorge has grown to follow the Lord. His wife had come to Christ, and all of his children had come to the Lord. And now Jorge is leading our Hispanic ministry at Sparta Church, and he has led multiple, multiple people to follow Jesus Christ. And so there are those who we say have become spiritual grandparents, and Jorge has become spiritual. We've got spiritual great-grandparents going on. And so I learned just last week, we started our women's Bible study up again. A little tenuous, a little nervous. The ladies are like, who's going to show up? What's going to happen? And one of our women's Bible studies, our first day that we opened up one of them, there was a gal named Christina that came. Never been to our church before. Christina came and she brought with the children's ministry at the same time in the afternoon, she brought her children. And she said, I came out here because I've heard of your church and what, you know, I saw the services on the lawn during the summer. And she said, I've just in all the calamity and the fear and the uncertainty She said, I just started asking God to help me. And so she came out cold turkey to Bible study. And she, for the first time last week, got her own Bible. Her name is Christina. Pray for Christina. Because I believe God's going to make somebody a spiritual parent. And maybe someday soon a spiritual grandparent. And I think of another man just recently. His name is Joe. And a men's Bible study that started meeting up at the church. Uh, and, uh, and uh, Joe was attending our services through the summer. Again, stirred up, s- concerned, scared, young man with a little child and his wife, came to our services, built a relationship with one of the guys in our church. He invited him to his Bible study. He came out two weeks ago to the Bible study. He's hungry for God's truth, hungry to find answers. Grew up nominal as a nominal religious Catholic, and now he's hungry because the Spirit of God is working and he's searching. And Colossians says, now's the time. And Joe came, he got his own Bible, and then Joe last week brought his friend Brian who's going through a very uh, tragic divorce. And Brian just reached out to one of my pastors this past week in an email and he says, can you share some scripture with me that will help me right now? God is working Amen? The Spirit of God is moving. I know it's happening here at Calvary too. My time is up. I know know it's happening here at Calvary as well. And it has happened for decades. You know why? Because I'm here. Because you invested in my life. And some of you didn't teach me. Some of you did. Thank you very much. And I'm sorry. And some of you taught me just because of the way you lived for Jesus. The way you made church a priority in your life. And the way you made the Lord Jesus a priority in your life. And the way that you've gone through trauma and tragedy and difficult times. And your faith stayed on through the storm. And you helped me. 
And you became a spiritual parent. You became a spiritual grandparent. You're becoming grandparents because of the work that God's doing through my life and my family and my church family. And Joe Hensler out in Allentown. Pray for that guy. And the work that you've sown into him and the others who are on the mission field and doing kingdom work around that even aren't here, they've gone out from here. So be encouraged. Be encouraged as you press on. I know, if anything, I pray this word will stir up a lot of conversation in the next days and weeks of how do we make the most of this opportunity? How do we put the emphasis on a different syllable so we don't shrink back from making the most of Christ, right? Because today's the day to do that. I'm going to ask us to bow in prayer. And as we do so, uh, if you're here in the auditorium, because I don't know you all certainly, and, or watching home right now, and you've tuned in, and you say, you know what, this mystery of Christ thing. I don't think I've ever done anything with Jesus. I've always believed in God, perhaps, but to make him the God and the Savior of my life, what does that mean? It means this. And as we pray, just pray your head down. You don't have to look at me, just listen. As I have the privilege to share with you the very simple promise, this profound truth of God. His word tells you this, that he is holy and righteous. And because of his holiness, he does not tolerate sin. And because of the sin in this world that you and I were born into, and you have to be honest right now, you have sinned against your God, have you not? At one point in your life, or maybe right now, continually, today is the day to acknowledge it and say, you know what, I can't play a game anymore. God doesn't look over it, he sees it. And as a result, you are separated from him eternally. There's a physical death and there's an eternal death, the Bible tells us. And then, but if you come to believe that Jesus, God's only son, came to this earth as God in the flesh, perfect and righteous and holy, and because of his nature, died for the sins of the world, but rose again because he's God, he paid the penalty of sin, which is death, and he rose again so that eternal life can be a gift given to you. And your response needs to be, and here's the equal sign, I confess my sins, God, forgive me, wipe me clean with the blood of Jesus and make me your child forever. May that be your prayer. Father, hear our prayer right now. Deliver me from the bondage of sin, from the lostness of being in this world without you, from the false pretenses of me thinking I can prove something to you when sin removes a holy, righteous relationship for me from you. Lord, I pray right now I would lay it all down, that I would confess and I would repent and change. And I, Lord Jesus, believe. Say it out loud. I believe, Jesus, you died for my sins. And you rose again. And you're coming to call me home. Forgive me. Come into my life and I will follow you all the days of my life. And I thank you, God. And I will learn your word. And I will do my best to trust you. And I will rest that your best will never let me go. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 As we heard this morning, um, God is truly our refuge and our shelter um, through difficult times. And so in response to the message of the morning, please stand and sing with us, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. Mm -hmm. 